Well, I said this uh, last week. After six weeks talking about politics, let's just do something easy, right? Let's talk about money. So that's what we're going to do here. And if you're jaded like me, you're going to think this way, right? Some of you have had this thought, ah, the church just wants your money. That's all they want, you know. They, all they ever do is talk about money, you know. And if you were invited this morning, you're the friend of somebody, and they invited you this morning, don't worry. They just broke out in a hot sweat, okay? They're like, seriously, of all the days I invited my friend, I did it today when we're talking about money. Jeez, Right? And I get it. Like, I'm a, I'm a guy who's lived in this world. I understand. There's been some bad examples of church and money. There have. One of the worst can be, you can flip on the television and find the televangelist saying, give me your money. Give me, if you give me the money, then this will happen. Like, okay. It can get screwy when it comes to money. I totally understand that. So because of that, I would rather just skip over the idea of money altogether. Like, that's where I'm at. Okay? The problem is I can't because it's way too important. I've said this before that other than the kingdom of God, Jesus spoke about money and our stuff more than anything else. Why? Is it because it's just about the money and the stuff? No, it's because it means so much more than your money and your stuff. The title of this series is Money Talks. Money Talks, right? And obviously it's a play on words. Obviously we're going to talk about money, but more than that, your money talks. Your finances, the way you operate in your finance, it's very telling. It impacts more than just your bank accounts. It impacts your heart. And more than that, it exposes oftentimes what's going on in our hearts. And so as we talk about this over the next several weeks, I believe God's going to do some things. There's going to be some practical stuff. My hope is you're going to maybe take a look at some things you haven't looked at recently. You're maybe going to wrestle with them things. You're going to think about those things. But more than that, my prayer is that God will get a hold of our hearts in some deeper ways. And he would meddle with some stuff that maybe we've been avoiding. All right, I've got some of that. And this morning's message, I'm going to warn you, sometimes we, I have messages that are just so easy, like bada bing, bada boom, that's what we do, it makes sense, cool. This is a message that you're just going to have to wrestle with a little bit. Just going to give it to you ahead of time. This is, this is one you're going to probably need to chew on a little bit. It's not just this simple, oh, this is easy. This is something that we all really wrestle and struggle with. We don't deal with it, and it really impacts us. These things called money and finances, all right? If you got your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Ecclesiastes chapter 2. If you don't know where Ecclesiastes is, no big whoop. Turn to the middle of your Bible. You'll usually hit Psalms. Turn forward. There's Proverbs. Next book is Ecclesiastes. That's where we're at, okay? Uh, While you're turning there, just a reminder, we're in our Bible reading plan. If you haven't been following along, every Monday we post the reading for the week. And so just jump on in. We're reading through the New Testament together. We just stand together. It's our tradition around here. Nothing sacred about standing. We just stand when we read our primary text together just to honor God's word. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, beginning in verse number 10, says this. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for all my toil. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. And this thing that was written probably 3,000 years ago, you still want to speak to our hearts through it, Lord. So, God, I pray that you would bring this alive to us, we pray in your name. Everybody said, amen, amen. You can be seated. Uh, How many think this is a mildly depressing passage right here? (laughs) 
Like, everything is meaningless. If you've ever read through the entire book of Ecclesiastes, it gets worse. Like, it starts here. Meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. It's like, oh, dude, the guy needs a vacation, right? Like, oh, calm down, dude. Uh, but I want to give you a little context here to the book of Ecclesiastes so you kind of understand. Ecclesiastes is a part of wisdom literature. It's a, like the book of Proverbs. It's considered wisdom literature. Most people would say that Solomon was the one who wrote these two books, or at least a majority of these two books. All right? And who is Solomon? Solomon was a king over Israel. And he was the one that presided over the, probably the, the strongest empire for Israel. Extreme wealth, crazy amounts of wealth, crazy amounts of influence, and he was considered the wisest person on earth. In fact, it said people came from the ends of the earth to come receive his wisdom. They came after him. And so this wisdom literature, it, it really is surveying the world. You look around at the world, and, and Solomon writing these saying, this is how the world generally works. This is my understanding as I see the world. And he is obviously being inspired by the Holy Spirit through this. And so throughout the book of Ecclesiastes, you see this, meaningless, 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 meaningless. And you're going to understand why he uses that word. Uh, but that's a kind of a confusing translation in the NIV. The original word in the original he, uh, Hebrew is this. It is Hevel. Hevel. Okay? And what is Hevel? Vapor. You've been staring at this for the last 15 minutes saying, why in the world does he have this out here? I'm so confused. Why does he have this? Okay? This is one of those like oil things. Some of you into the oils, right? You oil people confuse me sometimes. Can I be honest? I might go there. Some of you are going to be mad at me. It's okay. I can take a punch. It's fine. Because some of you, I honestly believe if I came up here with a bloody stump of a leg, you would say, I got an oil for that. <laughs> and I'd be like, just rub the oil. Just, it'll just, it's fine. Just put some lavender on that. It'll solve everything. Okay, I'll move on so you don't get, throw anything at me. Okay, that's fine. All right. So Hevel. Hevel is what? It's a vapor. And what is vapor? You got this thing. You can kind of see this here, I, I get. And when you have vapor, you look at it, and it looks like it's a thing, right? You see it, and you're like, I should be able to touch it. But then you, you, you try to grab it, and you just you can't, right? And this is really what he's saying here. Vapor, vapor, Havel. Everything is vapor. You try to grab the stuff. You, you just can't get a hold of it, right? And uh, when you get to this passage that we read, if you go to the very beginning of chapter 2, Solomon's talking about, he basically gives a list of like, I had this, I got all the stuff, all the wealth, all the people, I got all the servants, I got everything. I got big buildings I built, I got all this stuff. And I get to the end of it and I, it's heavy, like, it's chasing after the wind. You, you can't really get a hold of it. Like, it seems like, it, it seems so good, but it's not something you can really hold on to. And I think we all understand this because when you think about life in general, the older you get, the more you understand this is true, right? The more you realize, man, this life is fleeting. Like the, the stuff, I, the things that I think I want to hold on to, like they just don't last. I don't like to brag. Um, but uh, I'm, officially, I'm officially the head coach of a third grade boys basketball team. Thank you. Thank you. That it's a, it's a pretty hefty contract I signed. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be really awesome. I'm going to lose my mind is what's going to happen. No. So I am, I'm coaching my third grade boys. I'm coaching Asher's basketball team. And Wednesday night, we have our very first practice, okay? And uh, 
remember, I'm 38, okay? So I'm still in that, like, that spot in my life where I think I'm still young, but I'm not quite young anymore. Okay, so this moment happens in practice. One of the boys shoots a basket, and here's the rim, here's the backboard, and the ball gets wedged in the corner, you know what I'm saying? Now, they don't play on a 10-foot hoop. They play on a 9-foot hoop. And in my mind, I'm thinking, Greg can totally get that thing, right? You know, so I don't even think about it. I just take two steps, and I explode. And I get about halfway, and I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> we ain't getting to the basket, right? I miss the thing. I whiff, so my ego is hurting. But also, when I hit the ground, it felt like my Achilles exploded. And I had hurt my hip about a month ago, and my hip is now. So now I'm walking away, and, boys, I'm good, right? I'm just, I'm meandering my way here. And I have this real, like, Hevel, hevel, my health, my physical strength, my athleticism has gone away, okay? We get it. This happens in life, but it happens more than in that area. I think we all understand this when it comes to our money and our stuff. It just doesn't last, right? Like all of us have bought that car, and then we've wrecked it. We bought that car, and it's rusted out. We bought that shirt, and we got a stain on it, or we shrunk it. We bought that tool, or we bought that toy, and we've broken it. So we know. We know our stuff, our finances. We know it's this. We know it's heaven. We know it doesn't last, right? It's a vapor. Yet, the way we relate to our money and our stuff still remains to be unhealthy. We go about with unhealthy mindsets at times. And so I want to ask the question, Why? I think there's several reasons why we connect with money in an unhealthy way. For many of us, it's, it's just the natural sinful nature that we have, this craving for more, this desire for more. It's inside of all of us. Right? I wanna, I'm, I'm looking for satisfaction somewhere. I'm, I'm looking. I need more. I want more. There's a covetousness that happens. We see what somebody else has. We get jealous. We say, I deserve that. Like, why did they get that? I want that too. Now, we may not say that out loud. We might not even think it specifically, but there's this desire. We're like, I, I want that. <laughs> I want to own that too. I want to have that same thing. I, I want it. And the way we operate them with our finances isn't always healthy. Sometimes we're just straight up foolish with our money. There's no thought given to our finances. And so therefore, we end up going the wrong way. We end up having a poor relationship with money just because we're not even thinking about it. It's the same thing that can happen in relationships. If you are not intentional with relationships, sometimes they just fall apart. But I think there's... Another reason, it's our, our culture. We live in a culture that has built on an insatiable need for more, right? Insatiable, I wrote this down, and I like it. You might not like it, but commercials exist because there's something you don't need that you don't have. You understand that? The entire advertising market, all that, all marketing is, if you needed it, you would have already bought it. Like, there's something you don't need that you don't have, and they're going to try and sell you on why you need to buy this thing. So it's, obvious, it's hard. The way we operate with our finances is hard because it feels like everything is working against us, but I think there is one critical thing, and this is what we're going to look at today. There's one crucial thing that we don't recognize when it comes to our money and our finances, and this is the thing we're going to wrestle with today. We're going to start with our big so what. I always have a so what. What's the point of this thing? If there's one thing you don't forget, one thing you take away today, this is it. Our money problems are often identity problems disguised as money problems. Our money problems are often identity problems disguised as money problems. Now, before I dig into this, you might say, well, I don't have any money problems. <laughs> like, I'm doing well. Like, I'm cooking right now. I got all that. My bank account's doing good. I got my 401ks killing it right now. I got all the good stuff. You, you don't have to have an issue with the amount of money you have to still have money problems. 
Money problems are not an issue of how much you have, it's how you relate to your money. What you look to your money, how you treat your money, how you uh, engage in your money, right? This is what really matters. Remember Jesus said this. A lot of us, we talk about, well, money is the root of all evil. Nope, that's not what Jesus said. What is it? The love of money, right? Money isn't the issue. It is your relationship with your money where you have problems. And this is what we're going to look at, all right? So we go back to this. Our money problems are often identity problems disguised as money problems. Now, I could talk about just about any area of our life, and this would be true. <laughs> Most of our relationship problems are identity problems that we have that are showing themselves out in relationships. Most of the issues we have in our world come back to this very simple issue, but it's absolutely true when it comes to our money, all right? And so we're gonna ask the question, what is identity? We're gonna say this, all right, identity. Like, what does that even mean? Identity answers one simple question. Who am I? Who am I? If I came to you and I asked you the question, who are you, how would you answer that question? I think to yourself, okay, who am I? I'm Greg. <laughs> like, I'm a, I'm, I'm a pastor here. I'm a husband. I'm a father. I, you know, those are roles I play, but who am I really to the core of me? When I separate all that exterior stuff, who am I at the core of myself? You see, most of us spend our entire lives trying to answer that question. We're running around trying to find out who am I really? What is a midlife crisis? It's getting to the center of your life and realizing, I don't even know who I am. Like, I'm doing all the stuff. I'm doing what everybody told me to do, right? I've got a good job and I've got all the stuff, but I'm like, I don't, I don't even know who I am. And, and many of us, we spend our whole lives trying to find our identity, right? We're trying to find it in something out here, but hear this, I've told you this before. If you can find your identity, you can also lose your identity. <laughs> Some of you know exactly what, because you found your identity in a job, and then you lost it. And then you're suddenly like, I don't know who I am anymore. Right? You found your identity in a relationship, and that relationship ended. And suddenly you're like, ah. You can find your identity. Some of you found it in your looks, and suddenly you ain't as young as you used to be. Right? You find your identity in your bank account in your 401k, and suddenly it doesn't look the same as it once did. And if we've tried to find our identity in those things, trust me, you can lose that identity. And this is why I love coming to the gospel on a weekly basis. Because in the gospel is life. In the gospel is hope. And in the gospel is an identity that isn't something we find. It is something that is given and given by God. And therefore, because it is given by God, it is something that can never be taken away. And so this morning, what I want to do is I want to dig into our identity, a little bit of who we are, what it means to be a follower of Christ, this identity that is given. We're going to talk about that, and then we're going to see how that fleshes out with our finances, all right? So I'm going to walk through. You might want to write some of these down. Some of you, this will be brand new to you. You've never heard of this. Others of you, you might have heard of this, but this is a good reminder that we have things. If you are a follower of Christ, remember, a follower of Christ if you aren't a follower of Christ, you're just checking things out this morning. Listen, everything I'm about to talk about is available to you. It is available to you through Christ. So three things. Number one, in Christ, who are we? You are a child of God. You are a child of God. Galatians chapter four says this. 
You are sons and daughters. You're not a slave. You're not a servant. You are a child of God. And therefore, you have value. You have eternal worth in Christ. You are deeply loved. You are whole. You are complete. You have everything that you need. You are a child of God. Listen, my kids sometimes, my kids sometimes, they don't behave the way I want them to. But you know what happens when they don't behave the right way? They're still my son and still my daughter. I love them completely. There's nothing they can do to run away from their identity as my kids. It doesn't matter. They can try as hard as they may want to run away. They may not want to talk to me at all. Guess what? They're still my son, still my daughter. And when we are found in Christ, this is a reality. This isn't something you aspire to. Like I try to be good. If I'm good, then God will like me. That's religion. Religion is not something that's good for our hearts. It puts us in this perpetual state of trying to make God happy. That's not what God says. God says, listen, through Christ, when you surrender your life to me, you are a child of God. That's who you are. It's at the core. Nothing can take it away. No success or no failure can take that truth away from you. All right? You are a child of God. Second thing, who are you? In Christ, you are a saint. Not you are trying to be a saint, because none of us think that. <laughs> like, even the good ones out, you good people out there who do all the right stuff all the time, like you even know you're not a saint. <laughs> like if, there was a, if there was a saint in the world, like that ain't me, right? I still screw up sometimes. I mess up. I am not a saint. There's different traditions that exist out there, and, and I understand that, different tr traditions of the, even the Christian faith. Um, and there are certain traditions that make sainthood a thing up here. It is a position that you achieve somehow. And I understand the purpose behind doing that, but I'll just say that that's not what Scripture teaches about being a saint. Throughout the epistles, which are letters that are written by different apostles, they, they talk to people, right? Just like you, just like me. People who are followers of Christ, and you know what they say? To the saints in Ephesus. To the saints in Philippi. To the saints in Colossae. All y'all are saints if you are in Christ. It's not based on your behavior like you're good enough to be a saint. When you are found in Christ, that is your position. It is a position that is given, not a position that is earned, okay? This is why it is good news, folks, okay? And I'm gonna give you an example. The reason, we have an issue with this one because none of us think that. Like, I don't think that. It's hard. Like, I have to remind myself in the morning, Greg, you're a saint. woo -hoo -hoo. It's like, that feels weird to say because I know I don't always act that way. But we have to get it through our minds that this is a reality of our identity that has been given to us. It isn't something that we earn. Many of you, you struggle. I have struggled with sin in my past, all right? And in those moments when sin is an issue, there's something that's constantly being an issue for you. It's really easy for us to wake up in the morning and say, oh, God, I'm going to try and be better today, right? You ever said that? God, I'm not going to do that again. I'm going to try to be better. I'm going to try and be holier today. I'm going to be more righteous today. Okay, now that's a good pursuit, but it's a really bad mindset. Because you know what happens? You know what we should be doing? We wake up in the morning and we say, I am a saint. That's who I am in Christ. Why would I ever lower myself to behavior like that? There's times when I talk to my kids, I said, hey, Lynn's boys don't act that way. Like, we don't, we don't act like that, right? It isn't because, oh, you know, it's a mindset. Like, we, we don't need to lower ourselves. It's not like we're trying to be good people. No, why would we lower ourselves, right? It's like the, the king of all creation is saying, here's a filet mignon, and we're saying, give me a happy meal down here, right? I want the garbage. No, 
Listen, you are a saint. That is who you are in Christ. And we get to a third one. It says, you are a kingdom person. You are a kingdom person. The book of Philippians, uh, uh, chapter 3, verse 20, says this. You, your citizenship is in heaven. Right? It's like you've transferred your citizenship. I know you're living here. Like the, you, got a, you got a house. You got an apartment. You live here. That's fine. That's cool. Okay, you got your car. You got your family. You got all those kind of things. That's great. This isn't really your home, though. You are a citizen of heaven. You are an eternal being. You, are, uh, you have an eternal residence. There's an eternal kingdom that you have been invited to be a part of. And that kingdom has a totally different set of values than this kingdom does right here. Right? We have a different uh, mindset, a different focus. And what we do as kingdom people is we value eternal things, not temporal things. Because we understand that, that we aren't temporary people. We are eternal people. We are kingdom people. And because of that, you know what we should be having? Instead of a spending mindset, we should be having an investing mindset. We're kingdom people. We're not looking to just spend it. I got 80, I got 90, I got 100 years if I'm lucky here, right? No, we have a little bit of time here to invest for all of eternity. And when we begin to realize this, when we understand who we are, it naturally will impact how we live. The focus, the things we give our attention to, all right? So we look at these three things, and I say that to me, this is an amazing identity. This is the kind of stuff you can't buy. Money can't buy this kind of an identity. This is who you are. The problem is we walk around, never think about it, never realize it. The more we live from this, I honestly think the healthier life will be. The healthier my life would be if I could actually live this every day. All right? So there's three words. I want to get us to three words, and we're going to kind of walk through this here on the back end of the message here. I think this three things that we just shared can be summed up in three simple words. Value, status, priorities. If we understand that we are a child of God, then we understand we have value. We understand we have value. We have eternal value. There's inherent value. You have worth, Right? It's not a worth that you've bought. It's not a worth that you can acquire. It is a worth that has been given to you. The God of all creation gave his son for you. He has pursued you. You understand that? We walk around like all bummed sometimes thinking nobody thinks about me, nobody cares about me. That's not true, number one. And number two, we need to understand that this God is not just a general like he cares about us. No, he cares about you. He cared about that guy in the middle of a nation who hasn't had a, a believing church in generations and centuries, and he pursued him personally. That's what our God is like. He cares for us that way. When we understand that we have a status, right, that is saint. This is a, a status that we, we could never acquire, and we can't lose when we are found in Christ. The status that is better. We are a saint. That is who we are. No job, no relationship, none of those things can alter that status we have been given. And when we understand that we are kingdom people, we have a whole different set of priorities, right? What matters to us is different because we aren't everybody else. I'm not a temporal person. I am a kingdom eternal person. And with it comes different priorities. When we forget all this stuff, then we try to find these things in other ways. So, we try to find value. We try to find value. Some of you are trying to find value in relationships. 
Try to find worth. Why do we get it? You see people go into really bad relationships sometimes, right? Like, I don't, they make me, but they, but they love me. They care. Okay, you, you don't realize how loved you already are. You're looking in the wrong place right now, right? We make really bad decisions trying to find our value in other ways, right? Seeking it out in places it was never intended to be found. We go to our status. When we misunderstand our status, then we're constantly saying, I've got to achieve this exterior thing, this status out here, because that is where I will find my worth. That's where I will feel good, right? And, and, and the writer of, of Ecclesiastes would say, yeah, you can keep doing that if you want to. You're never going to get something that's going to, it's going to be taken at some point. It won't last forever, and you're going to be left in the same place you are right now, right? In the same way, when we misunderstand that we are kingdom people, our priorities get completely out of whack. We begin using our lives and spending our lives on things that don't really last. We know this. We understand it, but yet we keep doing it over and over again. I do the same thing. I get it. But then we take these three principles and then we apply them to our finances, okay? And we, we come to our money and we, we get to a point where we, we try to buy an identity. We try to use our finances to fill the voids that maybe we aren't filling any other way. And we perpetually get into this cycle of trying to spend money on things that really doesn't satisfy, keeps leaving us in this position, yet we keep on doing it, right? You've done it before. I've done it before. You, you, man, you, you don't feel good, and you want to go buy, go buy something new. It makes you feel good. For that moment, it's like, uh, you ever, if you ever had a new car, you know that smell. Mm, such a good smell. I love the smell of a new car. I've only had it once in my life. It's amazing, you know. But it feels really good, but you know what happens. That smell wears off, you know. We had a brand-new minivan uh, a couple of years ago, and my son, you know, three weeks, for three weeks it smelled amazing. And then three weeks in, my son Asher puked all over that minivan. I'm like, no. It lost that smell, right? It had a new smell all to itself. It was awesome. Okay. But this is what we do. We try, to, we try to find our value, our worth, feel good about ourselves through the things that we buy. And you don't even know why you buy things sometimes, but you just do it. You want to feel better because you get a little zing. Just like when you're on social media, you know, somebody likes your picture. It, like, gives you a little shot of dopamine. Like, the same thing can happen when we buy things. It makes us feel good for a second. But guess what? It's gone. Then the last. So then we go do it again. And then it's there for a little bit. And it's gone. And we get in this constant cycle of trying to find our identity, trying to find this value in something else. We make really poor financial decisions because we're trying to deal with a fundamental issue. This is an identity problem that's showing itself as a money problem. All right? Second thing, status. We do the same thing. Keeping up with the Joneses, right? You'll spend money on things you know you can't afford. Why? Because everybody else has it, right? I get it. I'm a, I'm a parent. I got kids, and I don't want my kids to feel like they're the kids that don't have anything. And so sometimes I feel like, well, I guess maybe I should get them this. I don't know. And it's because I'm fundamentally, I'm trying to achieve some status here that everybody views me the right way. Why did I buy what I bought? Why did I buy the car I bought, the house I bought, the clothes I buy, whatever I buy, whatever I spend my money on? Why do I go on this vacation? Sometimes it's for good reason. Sometimes it's because we're trying to achieve a status, trying to feel a way out here because we don't feel it in here. And these identity problems are surfacing themselves as money problems. We don't even realize it. Same thing with our priorities. 
We get our priorities out of place, and we suddenly begin to spend money. We know we should invest in, in people like Jacqueline, what's taking the gospel around the world. We should do those things, but I'm, I'm not really thinking about my kingdom identity. I'm thinking about my residence here on earth. That's where my mind is. That's who I see myself as, and therefore I spend all my money here rather than investing my money for eternity. See, when we understand who we are, really, it transforms everything in our lives. But specifically, it should transform how we relate to our money. We're walking around trying to get money and finances to do something it was never intended to do. It just is, it's hevel. It's hevel. Everything is hevel. All this stuff we're trying to grab, we can't get a hold of. It works for a little while, but eventually, it goes right through your fingers. So this is one of the reasons why I would say that credit is so toxic in our lives. Now we understand there are very few amounts of credit that can be good. And we understand that buying a home is one of the fastest way toward wealth, okay? And so as long as you're not over leveraging yourself, there can be wisdom in that. But many of us have issues with credit, you know, you know, 24 monthly payments, right? Whatever it is, put it on the credit card, we're fine. Credit our entire you know, culture has said credit is a good thing. Why? Because credit will fill the gap between what you have and what you desire. And will punt off any concern about how I'm going to pay for that until later. Right? And here's what happens. When we overuse credit, we get into unhealthy uses of credit. You're just swiping the card because it's easy and you can do it. And like, I can, I can make the minimum payment. I'm totally fine here with this credit card. It's okay. I'm not getting, I'm not getting overwhelmed. Here's the problem. If you continue to use credit to solve your problems, you are going to be broke and broken. You're going to be broke because eventually you're going to have to pay that, all right? But all it's doing is exposing how broken you are because you are constantly trying to buy your way into an identity. And that was never the intention. You will never be able to buy your way into an identity. You'll never be able to gain the value, the status. You'll never have the priorities God has called you to have when you're constantly trying to live right here, trying to find it in something other than Christ. And so we come back to this. All right. Tevil. God, how can I live differently from everyone else? See, last night I had a conversation with my wife, and uh, in it there was, I just acknowledged there's still areas in my life where I, I still don't live from my identity. I can look for my identity in some other things, other relationships, other interactions, and the result is it, it's this cycle where you constantly are wrestling. And for me, personally, the challenge I have is God, help me to continue to wake up in the morning and to live from who I am, not to live for who I hope to be, right? That I would live from who I am, the identity that I've already been given. And I think for every single one of us, as we would begin to live from an identity that God has given to us, we would see that health occur in our relationships. We would see it happen in our finances. We would see it happen in every area of our lives. I didn't ask his permission, but I'm going to steal a story from somebody sitting in the room right now, and you'll have to forgive me later on. There's somebody sitting in the room, and he told me a story that they were, they were uh, foster, doing foster care uh, for some, some boys. And these boys didn't have, um, you know, they came from a really rough home circumstance. Really rough home circumstance. And they, they didn't have anything. And they said that every time they would feed them, these kids would overeat. They would just pile the food in, right? 
they'd go out to eat, they would eat themselves sick every single time. And the reason was they didn't know if they were going to get another meal because they had been so programmed to not know that, that if anybody was going to care for them or love them so that they were constantly trying to fill themselves, right? They're eating themselves. They told me a story one time. One, they ate so much, they got in the car and threw it all back up again because they ate so much. Why? Because that's how they had been programmed. And they had to, they had to talk to the kids to be able to say, hey, that's not how it's going to be here. Like, you're loved here, Okay. But I thought about this late last night, and, and I, I just, man, God's just saying, listen, we're all walking around like those kids, not understanding who we are, not understanding our identity, not understanding how much God cares for us, loves us, the value we have, not understanding the status he's given, and we're walking out, shoving our faces full of whatever we can get, just hoping we can fill ourselves, not knowing who we are. And the Father in heaven, we sang it already, you need to understand how valued you are. If you could get a hold of that truth, it would transform your entire life. Every area of your life would be transformed. When we don't say, God, I'm trying, we walking around sucking life from everybody else, trying to fill the void, going after anything and everything we can. And God would say, listen, I'm here. I love you. I care for you. Would you receive it from me? Would you live from me? God, help me. I don't do that, but I want to. And I know God desires that for every one of you. That's why he gave his life. Not for you to be sucking on the fountains of this world that are going to run dry, but instead to have him be your source. That he will meet every need. Specifically, I want to I give you a challenge here this morning just as it relates to finances. How can we apply this in our financial world when it comes to money? I got two questions. I want you just to ask yourself. As you make decisions, if you're looking at finances, first question, why am I spending money on this? You might want to do that today. Look at, your, look at your finances. Look at the things that you're making payments on. Look at all these things and say, why am I spending or why, why did I make a decision to buy this thing? You ever made that decision and then afterwards like, shoot, shouldn't have done that, right? We need to ask the question, why? Why? Because until we understand why, we're going to do it again. <laughs> we're going to keep trying to make that expense because we're trying to solve a problem that was never intended to solve, right? Why am I spending money on this? Let's think about that. And then when you go to make a purchase... Just ask, why am I buying this? Just need to be this deep conversation. Why am I buying this? And give yourself an opportunity. Give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to say, okay, is this for a healthy reason or are you doing this for an unhealthy reason? Are you putting yourself in a place where money, your relationship to money is not healthy right now? Your relationship to things is not healthy right now because you're looking for it to accomplish something it was never intended to do, right? And I believe as we do this more and more, I think the Holy Spirit's gonna begin to say, okay, can we break away some of these chains that have held us in the past? And we see God move in us in a new way, all right? I'm gonna invite you to stand across the room as we close this morning. I wanna pray over all of us because uh, I include myself in this because this isn't something that I can always be successful at. And we all need this. God, help us to understand ourselves. Help us to see who we are in you, God. And so I wanna pray a prayer of blessing over you and I just ask the Holy Spirit to be able to speak to you because it's great we can have this conversation on a Sunday morning, um, but we need to be able to have this conversation on Monday. We need to have this conversation, you know, every two weeks when we get paid. <laughs> we need to have this conversation when we're dealing with our check, but when we're looking at the debt we've dealt with, when we're looking at the, the, the financial problems that maybe we have, whatever it is, we can say, God, help me. 
help my relationship with money to be stronger. I also want to pray another thing for some of you. I know that some of you in here, you would say, I got money problems, and the problem is I don't got enough money. <laughs> I get that. And I know there's some of you in here that are struggling. I know some of you during this pandemic, you've lost, you've lost a job. Maybe you've had reduced hours in some way. And, uh, and I want to pray over you. And, and I, want, I want to just have an opportunity just to say, God, we're, we're believing that you are going to open the right door. I pray this over people all the time when they don't have a job. God, we don't need a thousand doors to open. We just need the right door to open. And so my prayer for some of you here this morning is that the right door would open and that God would reveal that to you, all right? If that's you this morning, you just, want, you just want to receive this. Put your hands over your heart. Say, God, I need this. Let me pray over you. God, I thank you so much. I thank you so much that you love us, that you care for us. God, that you pursue us in a deep and a powerful way, Lord. God, right now, we recognize we can be broken. We can operate in brokenness in our finances, Lord. It can reveal the brokenness in our hearts. And God, we are asking that you would help us to be reminded of who we are in you, to be reminded of your goodness, to be reminded of our identity. And Lord, that we wouldn't operate as orphans, we wouldn't operate as people who have no one loving them or caring for them, but God, instead we would operate as your children, we would operate as saints, and we would operate as kingdom people with your kingdom priorities, Father. Help us. God, may everything in our life orient toward you, and God, may our finances specifically orient toward you. Pray that, Lord. And God, I pray for anyone in this room who is just, just struggling financially. And it's a, whether they've lost a job or reduced hours, whatever it is, God, I'm asking that you would be Jehovah Jireh, their provider. And God, that you would provide, as we said, not a thousand doors. We need the right door to open, God. And I pray that you would bring that, bring revelation, bring wisdom to every single one of them. God, we ask that in your name. God, would you go with us this week? Help us to live for you in every area. We pray that in the name of Jesus. Everybody said, amen, amen. Awesome.